Welcome to Voices and Views on Great Falls Public Radio, KGPR 89.9 FM, your local voice. This is Thomas Risberg, your host, and I have the honor of welcoming my good friend, a service provider at National Laundry, and also uh, a gentleman who helped found The Sober Life, Ben Vandeventer. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Thomas. So we're, we're doing something a little different today. Uh, we've done this the last couple of years, and this is our year in review gratitude. And so we're going to talk a lot about the, the things in our community here in Great Falls, uh, some, some things about our, our history, uh, and just focus on all that we have to be thankful for. Uh, I, I've talked at length on this show for a long time now about what I see emerging in the United States that I've coined the culture of contempt, and that you almost have folks looking uh, for something that they can criticize, right? Uh, and they, they make very broad conclusions about people based on just little fragments of information, a Facebook post that says that they have this uh, viewpoint on an issue of the day. And I think it's really harmed our society and our ability to see each other as whole people. Uh, and, you know, folks that we may disagree with, but people that, uh, you know, share common values and, and, and are common goals in the main. And so, Ben, I think what I've tried to do to give our listeners uh, an understanding and, and kind of fight back against that culture of contempt is get an understanding of each of my guess and and what their childhood was like and really to give a seminal experience or two that elucidates you know how their values were formed so i want to start out you know where were you born and and what was childhood like thank you thomas uh, i was born in casper wyoming i was born and raised uh natrona county um very very big with uh so Wyoming is huge with uh, with natural resource. We got a lot of oil, a lot of coal, a lot of blue collar work. So that's that's definitely the lifeblood of not only Casper but the state. Um, my mother and father raised me. I also have a sister, um, and it was a pretty it was a pretty normal upbringing. My my folks stayed together. They're still they're, they still are together today. Um, you know, it was a it was a kind of a just, I guess you'd say kind of a textbook childhood growing up. I mean, it was uh, my both my parents uh, were part of the school district and very involved in the local community as well in regards to, um, you know, volunteer work or, you know, being a part of, uh, you know, coaching as well, you know, with with hockey, with tennis, with stuff like that too. So it, it was great to see, um, you know, the impact they had. Um, you know, giving back to their community, and that's definitely a, a huge part of my upbringing there, just being grateful and, you know, learning from that. Uh, I call it gratitude in action. It's that influence, yeah, it's that, it's it's a powerful influence, being a part of something more than yourself, giving back, you know. And do you have any moments from childhood or, you know, maybe an organization that your, you know, mom or dad were involved with that really has kind of stuck with you throughout your life? Well, I mean, it, the the it would be the school district. Uh, when we were younger, it was the church. Um, mainly with sports, especially with my dad. Um, he would help with uh, tennis with the high school tennis team. One of his very close friends was actually the head coach, who was a good family friend of ours, still is today, um, and acquaintances as well. Um, and then um, hockey as well. My father uh, would. Uh, help volunteer and whatnot on the boards and whatnot for that, which was pretty cool. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we try to give our listeners an understanding of Great Falls, of course. And I know uh, you, like myself, took a, a winding path to, to get here, but you have roots in Great Falls. So first, tell me a little bit about the roots of your family here in Great Falls and then kind of how you journeyed to, to end up here. Absolutely. Um, so... I moved to Great Falls in 2015. However, my family has been around Great Falls. Well, we uh, we purchased the property in 1908, 
um, that is the Ayrshire Dairy Farm. Uh, it's still in our family today. Um, we were able to successfully compete with the with the heavy hitters in the dairy industry for many many years. Uh, I believe it was the early '90s when we um, we had to end up selling, unfortunately. But we did compete uh, quite well with a lot of those those heavy hitters, like I said. And of course, today everything is so uh, you know commercialized with with stuff like that too. So, um, yeah, the economies of scale make it hard to compete absolutely with a, a small dairy operation. And I want to. Have you talk a little bit about your your family? They're the Mitchells, right? And um, especially this is your great grandfather. I think this is just a a real gem of Great Falls history. The impact that he had not only on on our community, but our country. So talk a little bit about your great grandfather. Absolutely. So we we call him H.B. or H.B. Mitchell. And um, H.B. Mitchell was very involved in politics in Great Falls and he was actually appointed by Roosevelt to the civil service. Um, he actually holds a, a record that can't be broken. He's like, I think it's the, he's the second longest. This is like before term limits and stuff. So he was appointed specifically by the president and hold the. This is Franklin Delano Roosevelt, right? FDR. Yes. And he held the second longest term of a presidential appointee. Yeah, exactly. That, that can't be broken, which is kind of a cool, cool. That's a that's a pretty neat part of our family's history. There, my my grab was very, very. He's a big uh, history buff too, so he's very ecstatic about that. We and, always have been. And so. the position we all benefit from a lot of the infrastructure built there. This was the Civilian Conservation Corps, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, and so I think it's almost you know un fathomable the impact that this had right so this is a depression era agency that came about to employ people that that you know were not didn't have jobs but if you look at our national parks right i mean roadways throughout the country rest stops you name it we have a lot of things today you know nearly a hundred years later and you know they're pretty uh pretty elegant stuff right i mean they're very cozy i guess you could say but i've always thought it's a cool legacy of that time Absolutely. I mean, it's it's humbling to to have a, you know that history in our family, but it's again just the the attitude he had given back to his country to his community is something that was quite humbling. And something I love because now your grandfather is still alive, who is is also Harry Mitchell, right? Correct. Yes, he uh, he owned and operated the Ayrshire Dairy for many years. I mean, he still does. Um, he is up there in age, but yeah, I mean, he's an incredible man. He's done incredible things. Um, I think one of the most humbling stories he ever told me. So he, um, he was a helicopter pilot when they were testing the hydrogen bomb. And I believe it was the Island of, I'm probably going to mess this up, but uh, Antiwatak, uh, I believe it was called, I'm probably butchering that. Um, so he he was flying, you know, the big wigs around from island to island to island, and then uh, from obviously from a very very great distance away, uh, witnessed um, uh, the the test. So it was it, when he tells stories like that, I'm like, wow, like that's it makes me f- feel like just so proud to have him as a as my grandfather and truly, uh, you know, a God loving American. So it's he's he's an incredible man, and uh, you know, he's a very big part of our family today. And I love that, you know, with the Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer movie coming out uh, oh, yeah. recently, you know, they talk about uh, American Prometheus. And uh, it, it still, I think, is a, a humbling and especially being here in Great Falls and we're having the Sentinel program. You know, they're going to be replacing the, the ICBMs, the Internet, Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles. But I know and I think he was it was at that test that he was there. You know, folks can look up, uh, you know, like a hydrogen bomb test, but there's that iconic photo of, you know, it, it's not a mushroom. I mean, it's a more just like a, a, a full dome, right? And uh, the ships, the the kind of wave that comes out and hits all those Navy ships. And uh, you can just imagine it, you know, on a, on a beautiful, clear South Pacific day. And then... Uh, I think something that's still our the destructive force of it is more a physics uh, theory than it is. You know, it's never been used 
uh, as a weapon of war to date, uh, thank God. But the it always, to me, has been uh, something that I think we all live under. And, uh, you know, you, you hear a lot about the nuclear peace, right, that the major powers have not fought head-to-head since nuclear weapons. And I think it's a good reminder uh, of, of why that's the case, is that uh, we really can't fathom, I think, the destructive force of that when you think that we're dealing with weapons that are 50, 100 times more powerful than what was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That is, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty, it's, it's, uh, it's hard for me to wrap my head around something like that. Just, just the, the impact and the power it truly has. So. And, and starting on our gratitude, um, I, I just want to say uh, one thing that living in Great Falls has really brought home to me is I'd say we're in many respects a military town. And Most definitely. It's it's very different um, how much you interact uh, with with folks that are that are active duty or in the guard, right? You have the Montana Air National Guard up on the hill, and then of course Malmstrom, and and you know I think they're probably most known for you know being one of the three installations in the country that uh, is in charge of of intercontinental ballistic missiles, and I just want to say our a deep. Uh, unpayable debt of gratitude to our to our missileers, to our guardsmen, Absolutely. all these folks that you know. You you notice how it, it's almost if you had to really sit back and think about the magnitude of it, you couldn't do your job on a day to day basis. And I just want to salute these guys. I mean, I think I hope our listeners understand this. You know that these guys are going and doing you know twenty four forty eight hour shifts right down in in missile silos oh, yeah. and. A lot of these are young kids, right? I mean, you've got people that are 19, 20 years old, and you think of that, that you're down underground, probably somewhere where, you know, you don't have roots, right? Most of them are far from home, and you're the person responsible for, uh, God forbid, the order comes down, launching, you know, a 100 megaton warhead that potentially could kill millions or tens of millions of people, and and, and we kind of go about our day-to-day life, right? And it, it's, if at all on our mental periphery. But I think we can acknowledge that for those folks, right, it's it's got to be, even if they're great at compartmentalizing, you know, it seeps in there, right, that they've got to live with that every day, that that is their job, is to, you know, be a deterrent, first and foremost, right? The idea is certainly peace through deterrence. But, you know, a deterrent only, <laughs> it has to have a... a uh, a realistic threat behind it, and certainly those ICBMs are a, a very uh, realistic and destructive threat. Absolutely, yeah. And um, I mean, it's it is, you know, Maelstrom Air Force Base is the beating heart of Great Falls. Absolutely. So we, you know, we're obviously very grateful for all the service members and uh, you know the time they put into you know keeping us safe and always being vigilant because um you know with the way the world is today it does it does get a little scarier every day you know with with uh you know with everything you see on the news and with uh so many foreign um powers that seek to essentially kind of tear down what what we stand for i think that's what a lot of it comes down for me is it's it's what we represent Meaning we as Americans. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, you know, I keeping this on a gratitude, I, I think... Uh, and we represent, obviously, love and freedom and liberty and and these these countries with, you know, with these dictators. And, and you know, it, it's, it's... They don't like that. They don't like it because it, it, it when, when their people see that, they... They get that idea, you know, like, oh, I want that too. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, that's the soft power, and and you know that certainly our our military might uh, and those of our allies, you know, plays a role. But uh, the power of ideas, I think, uh, you know, over the long term, and I and I think many of us that grew up at the tail end of the Cold War did. You know, I remember books that you know the end of history, right, and that. Uh, that the liberal 
kind of free market, rule of law, liberty, democracy, uh, we're, we're going to be inevitably triumphant. And I, I think you look now today in 2023 and, you know, you have China, I think, is the clear, you know, they are not a status quo power. They don't believe in democracy. They don't believe in freedom. And they also don't uh, believe that uh, the United States or Japan or any of the uh, Western allies should have anything to do with security in East Asia and and and, and beyond. And uh, uh, I think that that is something new, right? Uh, in they're, they're far larger uh, economically uh, and population-wise than than the Soviet Union, even at its peak. Um, they don't have as clear of an ideology, right? They're not trying to export communism uh, as much as they're just trying to extract uh, resources. They're, they're, uh, but uh, it, it again goes back to what we need to do in the face of any threat writ large, right, is stand for our values. And I think – absolutely. That that's something that I can't I I hear, you know, a lot of people, I think, t- take things for granted, right, that they may not understand the Constitution and, and yet are, are easy to trash provisions that don't, uh, you know, that may be a hindrance to things that they they believe are important in, in a in a modern society. And I think, you know, have, having debate on issues is uh, the the very nature of uh, of a healthy Democracy, and I think we can do it without the vitriol and hatred that uh, seems to be increasing. But uh, I also take stock that, you know, uh, certainly in the Vietnam era, right, the, the there was a lot of of rioting and and civil disorder, and 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 everyone, you know, had the uh, kind of belief that the the old and and by that way, I think they they would think of it as better. Uh, way of doing things was breaking down. And yet, you know, I think we can all look back. Uh, and that was the time of civil rights, right? That's the time of women really empowering. And so, you know, I think we're in a turmoil uh, period, a transitional period here uh, domestically. But if you stick to the values, right, I look back on, you know, what are the women's rights? You know, they, they just want, they want equal rights. What's civil rights? They want equal rights. They want ideals that are in our founding principles and just were not fully realized. I mean, I've always loved, you know, Martin Luther King. You know, I mean, he talks about, you know, this, this the down payment, right? Uh, and and we want to collect, right? That that uh, that promise that was in the the Bill of Rights and and you know really is ingrained in our history. But before we kind of get into some broader things, I think we both want to talk about having to do with with gratitude and things in our community. I, I want our listeners to understand how you came here because I think it it helps understand kind of the gratitude that you have in your heart. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, I moved to Great Falls in 2015, trying to just get a, a fresh start. Um, back home, I struggled quite a bit with active addiction, and I was just looking to to turn a new a new page of the book. Uh, it took me about two years after I moved here. Um, to really realize that I needed to to change, so I decided to go back to treatment. And um, I'd been to one prior treatment back in Wyoming, uh, but the one here in Great Falls, uh, I went through Rocky Mountain Treatment Center, which is an incredible program. And uh, I went there for the right reasons, and I put in the hard work and had some incredible an incredible experience there with not only staff but the peers I had in with me as well. Um, you had a spiritual experience, right? I did absolutely. It's kind of hard to explain the whole the whole thing on on air because it was so personal. Um, however, yes, it was uh, it was a pretty incredible moment where I uh, gosh, it's really hard to explain. But I guess the best way I could put it is in a very in, in my moment of of need. Uh, God made his presence very obvious to me, and it's something I'll never forget. And it happened in treatment. I think it was about seven, eight days into treatment when it happened. And it was such an incredible experience. 
that I, I couldn't just chalk it up as a, as a coincidence. And from that moment pushing forward, I just realized that, that I needed to allow faith back into my life and I needed to change. It was kind of a catch-22 for me because going back to treatment, I didn't want to get sober, but I knew I had to because I, I just had enough. It, just, it wasn't fun anymore. And that's a really hard decision to make. However, I'll never regret it because it's, um, I mean, just like anything in life, you know, if uh, it's what you put into it that you're going to get out of it. Um, touching on that just real quick, I think, you know, back to what you're saying about community and whatnot. For me personally, instant gratification was one of the biggest things I had to deal with, um, which is something that I think our society today uh, has a huge struggle with as well not just with active addiction but just in general with you know with social media um with everything man it's just people want it and they want it now whereas really embracing that delayed gratification um is obviously takes a lot more time obviously and a lot more work but it in in the long run uh, it has worked for me, and I've seen it work in other people's lives as well, which has been a blessing. And speaking of community, uh, I know the the Great Falls Rescue Mission played uh, a really vital role in, in kind of molding you Absolutely. in your recovery. So talk about the, the discipleship program there, if you could, and, and what that was like. Absolutely. So, well, I'll start, with, I'll start right before I left treatment. Uh, one of the treatment assistants there pulled me aside. It was about four or five days before I was going to leave, and he suggested that I go to this program. And it was a sober living program at the Great Falls Men's Shelter. And when he was describing this to me, I remember my first thought. I'm like, so I'm going to willingly become homeless to, you know, get, you know, a year and a half sober under my belt. And I'm like, that's ludicrous. Like, who in their right mind would do something like that? But something I learned in treatment is, you know, all my thoughts and all my actions <laughs> led, me, led me to treatment. So I realized that the fact that I didn't want to do it is why I needed to. Um, so I wasn't actually homeless, but I went and put a bunch of stuff into storage, and I went and parked my car out of my grandpa's place, and I checked in uh, seven days after I left treatment. And it was definitely one of the most humbling experiences of my life. And it saved my life. Um, mainly, the reason I went there mainly is because I just needed some long-term sobriety under my belt. And I needed to be accountable. I knew if I just went right back to work after leaving treatment um, that it wouldn't stick. Because I tried that before and it did not work. I needed to take a very good chunk of time out of my life and really focus on just sobriety however going through this is a christian-based program um going through that i was able to also find faith as well as as sobriety and again just having that accountability so i mean as a disciple in this program you live um you're you're you're, you're separated from the residents there's like a discipleship side of the building and the resident side in the men's shelter right in the men's shelter correct um, yeah, there's three shelters. You got the Cameron Family Center, the men's and the women's. Um, I was at the men's, and you would volunteer daily for the for the mission. Some people cooked in the kitchen. Uh, some people worked the front desk. I was in laundry for a while, and then I started working the front desk as well. Um, we would have morning devotions. We would have Bible studies. Um, a lot of men's groups, some co-ed groups here and there from the gals that were in the program at the women's or even the Cameron Family Center. But mostly they, they wanted to keep us together, which I kind of understand why, because we're really trying to like, we're really just trying to, to better ourselves and, and to put God in our lives to where he can make an impact um, in us. And, you know, going through there, you, you meet people from all walks of life. I mean, some people in there just got out of prison. Some people are just coming off the street. Some people are coming to, out of treatment like myself. Um, some people just moved to Great Falls and had a stroke of bad luck and, you know, end up homeless. And they say, I, I, I need something to change. And having, having 
the the mission here in Great Falls is absolutely incredible. There's, there's great leadership. Um, when I was there, it was Jim Kaiser. Uh, right now, it's Jim McCormick, who's an incredible individual. You have great people like Carrie Matter, who, um, I mean, these people are just so, they make such an impact in the community. Glory to God. And it's just, it's it was such a humbling thing to to go through, but also to see the impact it's made in their lives as well. Um, Meaning your fellow disciples. Not even that, but even st- staff members, everyone, everyone. It was just, it, 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 it's, it was the perfect thing for me to do. I didn't know it then, but I knew, you know, once, once I was going through, I was absolutely baffled. Like, wow, like this is exactly what I needed. And I get it too. Like not everyone has, you know, when I was, when I got sober, I was 27. I had no kids. I was working a, a, a line cook job that I really wasn't terribly fond of. So I, I was in kind of a unique position to where I'm like, okay, I can take, you know, 15, 16 months out of my life to, you know, better myself. Not everyone has that too. So, you know, it, it can be, it can be difficult, but the, the mission here in town has an incredible impact on the community and it's a much needed. And you've made some lifelong friends, right? This I, in particular, you know, I know, uh, Dion, right. Absolutely. One of your fellow disciples, but I think the, the reason I bring that up is that it's one of these institutions that the impact of it is not simply, you know, you go into the program, you graduate, and and you move on with life, right? That there's, yeah, I think you can call them alumni, right? That there's a network of people that have been through the mission, and you're kind of like, once you're involved, you're always involved, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, I met incredible people in recovery. I mean, that's how you and I met. That's how I met, uh, you know, I was roommates with Dion um, at the shelter, for gosh, I'd say about eight months. What a heck of a guy! And um, he's thriving today, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's it was just yeah, it was an incredible experience to meet uh, you know so many people, and it was also a harsh lesson in there too because you see a lot of people come through the program, um, and then they would choose to leave, um, whether they you know came back under the influence or just left or you know whatever. Um, but the ones that stuck it out really um you know had an impact today or excuse me had had an impact on my life and again with the staff members there the, just just the, the the leadership was incredible um at that time the leader of the men's shelter was was Paul Tyner who was a very you know very godly man very strict but he 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 ran a tight ship and he did it out of love and you know not everyone agreed with him, but I will say this, you know, he, he was an incredible leader. He is an incredible leader. And he made a huge impact on my life as well as many of the people there as well. So, you know, th- these are these are people in our community today that that, you know, gosh, they, they love they love Great Falls, they love God, and they just they want to see people, whatever they're struggling with, you know, find faith, find recovery, sobriety. Finding that purpose in life, I think my my main, <clears throat> I feel like that's a huge part of what we see today with the chaos of the world is I feel like so many people lack purpose or they don't know what their purpose in life is. Yeah, and, and I think uh, gratitude for me is really a lot of of what, what I see is at, at root, right? If, if you don't have some level of gratitude for the community you're in, for... Uh, the the world you're in right but it, it you don't have as much of a purpose because you don't necessarily have a full grasp of 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 how complex and how uh there's this long i call it the unbroken thread right all of us as humanity right since prehistory to today it's been this just great journey and it's been a very tough journey for humanity so I always say, I give you the whole history of humanity in three words, war, disease, famine. And that, to me, is something that I, you know, you've heard it termed the great unlearning, right? Is that I think some of this is perspective uh, and why I think going to, uh, you know, the mission could be helpful for any of us, myself included, right? Is that you start to see when you take away all the the fancy toys and 
and the houses and the cars and stuff, you, you start to understand what matters and what uh, what gratitude looks like, right? And and what uh, you know, not having all of the material, uh, you, you can still live a great life, right? That that's I, I say I sometimes say that I think we as a country have <clears throat> we've mistaken the branches and the leaves for for the roots and for the tree. And and it, if it if it's untended, right? You know, we have unbelievable material prosperity, right? Any oh, yeah. human Absolutely. could never even fathom a hundred years ago that this level of wealth and technology was possible. I mean, it, it's like we're living in a futuristic sci-fi novel, and yet <clears throat> we see things like addiction and mental health, the breakdown of the family. And I think one of the explanations that that intuitively at least makes sense is that we've forgotten that it's the values, it's the principles, whether that's, you know, integrity, service to others, uh, compassion, uh, you know, responsibility, respect, that has allowed us as a nation and as a people to develop this incredibly complex, uh, prosperous society, but that, you know, it's kind of like a chicken before the egg type of thing that like, it comes from the root. And if the root, if we stop being able to trust each other, if we stop acting with integrity, if we stop having compassion for our fellow man, it inevitably, you know, the, the tree will wither, right? The branches will wither. And and so something that I am going to say I am extraordinarily grateful for is, you know, I, I, I came from a big city, and I tell folks I, I've lived in close proximity to millions of people my entire life. I've never lived in a community, and I came here to Great Falls. And one, I was really broken uh, when I came here. Was, you know, I, I too, struggle with uh, alcoholism. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't had a drink since soon after I got to Great Falls. It's, I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's uh, August 22nd, 2017. But uh, the people are, are, are connected here in a meaningful way that, you know, while resources matter, right? You, most anything you do, you're going to have to have resources, whether that's volunteers or, or, or monetary, right, or in kind. But, you know, I, I think a lot of the stuff that I see going on here in our community, yes, Everyone needs the resources, but it transcends that in many respects, that this is a, a community where I can still see kind of the, the building block values are strong, right? And, and you see that reflected in our institutions. Uh, if you look at the Rotary Club or Kiwanis or the Elks or the Does, um, if you look at the kind of nonprofit Milu, you know, it's not a very big town, right? It's like 60,000 people. And, you know, you talk about the Great Falls Rescue Mission, but I could go on this list that's, you know, dozens of organizations doing incredible work. You know, I think of people I've had on this show, you know, you have Toby's House, right? You have Family Promise was recently on here, right? Both working around youth. Um, Neighbor Works, Opportunities Incorporated, the United Way of Cascade County, uh, you know, we have the, the, the Great Falls Public Schools has a great foundation, right, that's doing great work all the time. There's this ecosystem. And the only way that that continues to thrive is that people say, yes, I have my family, my friends, my business. I like hunting. I like this. But I am part of a community and and part of being that you know in a community is giving back and and i love what i see in that oh i've heard you know so many kind of people i i, I say that we stand on the shoulders of giants and uh i love the concept that you know you can accomplish a lot in this world if you don't care who gets the credit and there are so many people that every day are out whether it's delivering meals spending time with youth helping somebody that's in recovery and i mean these people over decades right have committed tens of 
thousands of hours with no expectation of any reward. And it's true. That's why this is a good place to live. It is. And not only that, but with that comes a, a huge level of influence. Um, so in early recovery, I'm going to tell you this story. This is, I'll never forget this. In early, this is late 2017, early 2018. And we were about to serve our meal to the public that evening. And one of the gentlemen I was in the program with at the mission says, hey, Jesse Slaughter and his family are here. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, that's how cool is that? And I, I see him and his family here serving, serving meals to community. I think, wow. I'm like, that's, that's a family that cares about their community. That's, that's, you know, this is before he was sheriff. But I just thought to myself, like, wow, like that is such a really, you know, I, I, being being in, in active addiction for so long, I was very selfish, very self-absorbed. So I was trying to, you know, you're trying to break out of that. Like you said, you start to give back to your community, give back to others. So when you see someone from the public like that at a homeless shelter, it was really quite humbling to witness that. I'm like, wow, like that's that's something I want to do with my kids one day. I don't have any kids yet, but. I, I just thought that was really neat. And then again, you see all kinds of other families come in to serve. Local churches coming in to preach, to serve food, to, you know, it, it was just an incredible experience. But again, this doing something and not expecting, you know, anything in return, just doing it because it's the right thing to do or it's what God puts on your heart. I mean, that is what makes a community a better place. Absolutely. And so I wanted, speaking of leadership, Right. Um, you know, I, I think we all know they just recently, uh, you know, had the uh, swearing in of, of uh, you know, the, the new mayor, Corey Reeves. And, uh, you know, I, I actually got a chance to, to, to speak with him. And, and this was with the, the director of another great nonprofit in Great Falls, uh, the Lewis and Clark Foundation, as Elizabeth Moore is the executive director there. And, uh, you know, I always just say the fact that he met with us says a lot about Absolutely. his character. And, and I can, I also want to give a, a, you know, he, he's a very a person that is solutions oriented. So I, I talk some about, there are people who I, I, I fundamentally can't grasp their belief system or, or, or you know, I, I don't think they're malicious by any means. I think they, but they, I call them destroyers, right? Because whether it's on social media or it seems that all they want to do is point out all the flaws in every person, institution, uh, organization, you name it, and trash it. And I'm all for being critical of everything. Have a solution. Absolutely. And spend more time on the solution than just droning on for, for years without getting up and taking any action. Uh and, and so that's something that I love about a lot of our leadership, right? That these are people that are doing the mundane tasks, uh, especially on a city county level. You know, I say that like, you know, they're doing a great job when you don't have any idea who they are, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> because they get no credit when they do, when everything's done right. right it's only right. when things go badly. And so I want to give a, a, a big shout out to our, you know, just turning over the baton to uh, Corey Reeves, but... Uh, Mayor Bob Kelly, I, you know, you talk about a guy that that got out there and was was in the community. I, I don't so many forums and and uh, events. He just was out there, and and I, I always loved that he asked a ton of questions, and you could sense that he really was taking that. Uh, to heart, right, and, and and seriously grappling with it, not just kind of as a, hey, you know, we got to give the the peasants a chance to, you know, uh, air their concerns before we go behind closed doors and us, uh, you know, serious people make all the decisions, and 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 I and I say that as being one of the peasants and and feeling that, uh, you know, these are folks that have uh, a deep seated belief that they're part of this community as well as the leader of it. And uh, I just want to say how much it's meant to me um, to, to have folks listen and, and not simply uh, attend. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think it's, 
yeah, you, you just said it. <laughs> and, and you name it. I mean, you know, you think the whatever your belief is on, you know, whether the, the public safety levy, whether it's good that it, or bad that it didn't pass. If you went out there, I'll tell you what, those guys, you know, they worked their tail off to make sure that our community understood what the resources were going to go to for both the levy and the bond, right? And and why it mattered. And I can say, you know, these are really busy guys. I think, you know, I see the fire chief, Jeremy Jones, uh, Chief Newton, Captain Schaefer, Greg Doyen, the city manager, uh, you know, folks from uh, our EMS, the, 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 you know, judges and whatnot. They were all out there, county attorney. And I mean, at like dozens of these. And so that's real transparency. That's real accountability. And I think a model uh, that, you know, we could see replicated at uh, more at other levels of government. But it's uh, I just want to express gratitude for that. And I, and I want to give you, Ben, a chance just to kind of chime in uh, with anything that, you know, is on your mind or heart that you want to express your gratitude for. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, uh, I'm grateful for my friends, my family. I'm grateful for my wife, Molly. Um, just grateful for the community. Great Falls really is a, a quite a unique place to live. And the, his, the I love the history of Great Falls, too. That's something that, that keeps me here a lot as well. You know, with Lewis and Clark, uh, with Charlie Russell, with, you know, just, just some really unique history there. Yeah, that, that history piece... Uh... It seems like, you know, it's so close that we're only a few generations out from the homesteaders. And I think that there's, you know, it's a really new place. You know, even all of the United States is, right? But, you know, you go to Europe and you see stuff and it's like, oh, yeah, this was built in, you know, (laughs) 1200. And, uh, you know, there's really nothing, uh, you know, built by Europeans uh, here, you know, predating, you know, the late uh, 15th century, right? And... uh, I don't think there's much left of the, from that time. And so, you know, these are people that came out here in the 1870s and 80s and that they have, you know, their great-grandfather, right, oh, was, yeah. was the homesteader. And uh, I think that, you know, it's hard to put your finger on, you know, what is the essence of a Montanan. And it's almost, you know, if you, if you uh, describe it, you almost uh, – you know, sort of reduce it a little bit. But I certainly, from from uh, a person coming from the flatland, right, from from Missouri, misery, we joke, uh, it's, it's an independent spirit. It's a uh, genuine devotion to your fellow man. Uh, it's a sense of adventure. Uh, it's a, a, a very much so that we are self-sufficient, right? I always joke that everybody in Montana... You know, at least that's older than like 50 or so. Uh, they got a little bit of plumber, a little bit of electrician, a little bit of mechanic. Because you can't call AAA, right? <laughs> and, and you can't get the uh, 24-7 electrical. So, you know, when stuff goes wrong, you fix it. And it also lends itself to this this true kind of, you know, reciprocal, hey, you know, I got your back and you got mine. And uh, I, I, I think as we grow, right, I... I, I don't know ways to intentionally other than kind of telling the stories and keeping, uh, you know, the our, our ancestors, right, and our heritage alive. Uh, but it's something special. And I, I know that I have spent a lot of time with uh, old older folks, right, that are in their 80s. I mean, I would say, like, you know, Norma Ashby Smith and, and Dwight Smith would probably be. Uh, they kind of adopted me as uh, as, you know, one of their – part of the family and uh great people it means the world to me but the 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 belief system they have is it's something that took a different environment to form around things like service and duty and most of it is is born out of of want and of scarcity right i some things that you'll notice about older people right like you know they they reuse tinfoil, right? They uh, they they keep everything, and and that's because it had some use with something else. Where it's like, it never crossed my mind to keep tinfoil. 
I still keep wrapping paper, but that's because of my mom, right? <laughs> like after it's used. <laughs> and uh, I guess I would say I'm grateful for our uh, our ancestors, for our folks. And I mean that in the broadest sense that uh, the Native American culture in, in Montana is is extraordinarily vibrant and and strong and and i've had absolutely the the pleasure of of working with a lot of folks doing great work uh in the tribes and look i mean at the end of the day you know this is uh the native americans have been here for since prehistory right uh since time immemorial and i think they're you you put this rich tapestry together here in montana uh that is not always seen, I guess, throughout the country, right? There's there's less of a dominant culture here than I think there are dominant ideals that are shared by everyone, right? I mean, I, I think of Native Americans and words that come to mind for me about a lot of these groups, right, is they are resilient and they are giving and compassionate. And so um, it's just something that I, I, I've never... You know, you go out to, to out east where I'm from, and it's mostly, you know, it's it's African Americans and whites, right? That that was the dichotomy in places that I grew up in, and uh, I I have really can say, in terms of like kind of a a, a reverence for the land, a reverence for uh, being like you never above, never below, being beside. Um, th- that's always kind of something that I've taken away from, from my interactions, uh, with folks that are, are, are steeped in native American culture and, and things that, you know, I know lots of people that do sweat lodges and, and they smudge and, and I think that's something that has really, uh, impacted myself and I know you and, and many others. So personally, when I think of Montana, you know, the, the things that would come to mind for me would be like farming, family, faith, freedom, friendship. It's a lot of F's, but, uh, you know, to, to me, that really is, you know, just the values of Montana. I mean, not only that, but you know, obviously, you know, it's the treasure state, you know, we got a, we've always had the, a lot of precious metals here and, <laughs> you know, with the history and butte and whatnot as well. And, you know, even here in Great Falls with, uh, with the smelter and everything, so. When I think of Montana, I mean, it truly is the last best place. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful to be a part of the community here. Yeah, I don't know how I could do it better than that with the, the I can't even get all those Fs. But uh, so <laughs> then I guess we can say that. And what's after F is G for gratitude. There you go. And, yeah, I just uh, I want to leave our listeners with. Always keep in mind that we have one life to live and and we live in this very short time period and that we can all get wrapped up in uh, so many problems in our lives, in our country, in our community. And, you know, you start just clouding your lens that you view the world through and and i'm a big believer we see the world not as it is but as we are and so gratitude is the is the best medicine right it's the one that'll lessen that that resentment that that anger that fear that we all have and and i think Something that that I always have to remind myself is to be intentional about practicing gratitude by doing a gratitude list every day, right? I write three things down, so it's always fun this time of year to do the year in review of my gratitude list. And, uh, you know, I've got over a thousand things on there. But as you go, you know, into 2024, uh, and, and you have interactions, whether you agree with these folks or disagree with them, just take time. You know, if you see someone, uh, say thank you, right? Whether, you know, we've talked a lot, you know, the military folks, uh, the folks that are 
you know, our first responders, um, our, our city leadership. I'd be remiss if I left out, you know, uh, all of our uh, folks doing work at the, the nonprofit level, right? The, you know, we've talked a lot about the rescue mission, but also a lot of our folks in, in you know, the, the, the service industries, right? Is that, man, just when you have somebody come and they're, they're smiling and they're, you know, serving you a great meal or they're friendly at the cash register, you know, just always remember that person might not be having a great day. And, and they're taking the, the, the time and to, to just give a little of themselves, even if they're, they're really struggling, they don't have much to give. And, and it is that simple, right? Is saying thank you, sending a thank you note. Um, what it does is it tells everyone you encounter that you value them, that they have dignity, that they're a person. I love some of the ones I'll never forget. My dad said, all work has dignity right? Everyone has a story. And and I think if we focus less on the big picture and the country and the great, uh, you know, movements roiling our, our society and our world, and we focus on uh, maintaining and intentionally uh, fostering gratitude in our, in our lives and the lives of those around us, um, a lot of those big movement things are going to get better. Um, you know, that's the never believe, you know, I don't mean to be Pollyannish, right? But, you know, never believe that a small group of committed people can't change the world. You know, that's the only way it's ever been. So I uh, just want to give my uh, thanks also to our, our listeners on, on KGPR, uh, Great Falls Public Radio. I want to give my thanks to uh, our incredible board, Rich Liebert, our fearless leader. And, and of course, he also served in the military for many years. And, uh, Thank you, Great Falls. Thank you uh, to everyone in our community. Uh, and with that, Ben, I'll leave it to you to sign off. Well, first and foremost, Thomas, thank you for having me on. I'm very grateful uh, to have your friendship and to have you invite me here today just to say a few words. So I'm very grateful for that. Grateful for the community of Great Falls, for the state of Montana, and to just wish everyone a, a great 2024. God bless. You've been listening to Voices and Views on Great Falls Public Radio, KGPR 89.9 FM. Uh, I'm your host, Thomas Rushberg, and today, just been a pleasure to have my good friend, Ben Vandeventer, uh, in the studio. And I hope that this discussion has, has left you with a, a little extra warmth in your heart and... Uh, maybe some gratitude to, to the people in your life that have made a difference uh, and in your life. So thank you for joining us and uh, have a blessed 2024.